G'day and welcome to Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality podcast. I'm Jackie Parry and it's good to have your company. Today I'd like to take you on a journey to Saguaro. That's an island in the northern group of the Cook Islands in the South Pacific Ocean. We sailed there a few years ago and it is a particularly special place. This episode is brought to you by Pantenius Yacht Insurance. No strangers here. We know they have been here, murdering. We witness the evidence of scorched bones washed up on the beach. This is one of the countless stories divulged to sailors that drop anchor at Saguaro Atoll. Just 100 to 140 boats furl their sails here each year. This story is about the illegal fishing that occurs when the caretaker's six-month stint finishes and the island is left uninhabited. The unwanted fish is killed and thrown back. Senseless cruelty, even in paradise. And that's just what it is here, paradise. A word I try not to use too often. Previously, we visited a handful of islands without airports, cars and supermarkets. But Saguaro has its own unique harmonic constant. The north-facing entrance has a low reef extending east of the wide bar that does a fantastic job of fending off the deep rolling swells. These pulsing lumps of sea had grown into mountains during our five-day sail from Huahini in the Society Islands. The three o'clock sun was high enough to reveal the coral-fringed entrance. Between the frothing white caps and scorched sand, we puttered into a symphony of blues. Tucked safely behind Anchorage Island, the waters smoothed and the dreamy scene of tranquillity was broken only by squealing birds crying a welcome. The island's coconut trees spill out onto the white beach and tilt at exotic angles, just like a holiday brochure. The pale blues of the shallow water captures the sunlight, accentuating the contrast of lush green leaves, bone white sand and soft blue water. The allocated anchorage area is small if you want shallower depths of about 10 to 15 metres. Tattoos of coral make finding a spot a challenge. By the third attempt, we dug into the sand. The chilled Panamanian beer from our stores on board tasted especially delicious. The next day we took our sea legs to land and expelled a train of contented sighs. Following the front-hemmed path with its shadowy light to a clearing, we found two buildings, old and new. The timber, two-storey structure, is the caretaker's home during their stay. The ground floor is open, with a large banquet lunch taking place. Having declined an offer to join the group, James, one of the seasoned caretakers, suggested we walk around part of Anchorage Island and return after their lunch for the formalities. The windward side was blustery, beautiful, and confirms the island's name of Anchorage Island, bringing relief from the strong trays deflecting the wind to a good ten knots less in the lee. To check in, there are four easy forms to fill out, rules to read, papers and passports to show, and 50 US dollars to pay. 
and then lots of history, wildlife and survival stories, leaving us with a thirst to hear more. The payment allows cruises a two-week stay. A chronicle of cruelty and greed is the atoll's initial history. Originally named Suvorov after the Russian explorer Lazarov, who found the atoll in 1814, it was later renamed Suwaro, in keeping with the Cook Islanders' language. They do not have words ending in V. Sadly, the Russian Admiralty took little notice of Lavrov's discovery, and many whalers were wrecked on the low reefs for some years after the finding. Discovering an island is a funny thing, though. As the caretakers say, the Cook Islands never lost it. The stories of shipwrecks, murder, buried treasure and evidence of a former population all stir into a big pot of recipes of disasters, with further ingredients of men lost when their ship struck the reef and pearl divers being left on the island for six months, with just a promise of payment if and when they were collected. Pearlers mixed with the shipwrecked folk, fights and murder broke the island's peace. Later, the history calms and reveals a leasing of the atoll to various large companies to gather pearl shells and plant coconuts. In 1914, a hurricane stopped all pearl shell operations. Mr Tom Neal is probably the one most of us identify this island with. He wrote An Island to Oneself, about the time he lived in solitude for a total of six years on and off. At times he left the island for a while due to Rarotonga authorities deciding to evacuate him. Tom saved his pennies and simply returned. Unconfirmed knowledge is passed along in the island that at some point while Tom was living on one end of this deserted island, the other end was inhabited by 60 Cook Islanders. The written world is a wonderful thing. We haven't read Tom's book as yet and are keen to do so, especially now we have stood in his house, which was left over from the military occupation in World War II. When in the Tuamotos and the island of Huahini, a black-tipped shark, about one and a half metres in length, circled us for 15 minutes. After coming nose to nose with this shark while diving, I found out that I could scream underwater with a snorkel on, walk on water and Velcro myself to Noel, without the use of Velcro itself. Here in Saguaro, black tips circle the boat on anchor. A cruising highlight for me is swimming in pristine water at my whim. Apparently, black tips are curious about humans, but not dangerous. When we decided to take the plunge, I couldn't quite believe I was jumping into a shark-infested pool. In Saguaro, drifting with the dinghy tethered to our waist and a knife strapped to our thighs, we coasted along a reef for two hours, feeling safe with the dinghy so close and the fact that I was armed. Which was a bit weird, really, because a knife would mean blood and that meant a bit of a shark frenzy. But it did make me feel better. Vivid fish didn't flick away in a flash, but swam just out of our reach. Colourful coral stole our attention and helped us forget about Sharky and his buddies. I was so ready to play it cool, I actually became disappointed when there were no sharks in sight. 
Later, three small black tips swam past with just a brief glance our way. That night at Potluck, the scraps of fish were fed to the sharks on the opposite side of the island, at the entrance, in a bid to keep the swimming area at Anchor safe. As James whistled, twenty black tips came charging into the shallows. Amid the frenzy of fins, two greys followed at a speed I simply could not comprehend. One black tip became very intimate with James's feet, where he stood in just inches of water. I felt very low in the food chain, unsafely perched on a rock. I now know that it is just a waste of time having an escape plan for sharks. If there is a feeding frenzy, there is no hope. I'm not sure if I will relax on the next dive or not. James and John, the caretakers, spend May to November on Anchorage Island to check cruises in and out. They present and protect the wildlife and beauty. For non-obligatory donations of food and or money, they take you diving. They call it the best diving in the entire Pacific, and I tend to agree with them. They introduce you to other islands within the atoll and arrange coconut crab and lobster hunting and excursions to bird breeding areas. But their expertise really lies in entertaining. Within the setting of a mostly deserted island, it feels private. As though James and John own the land and we all have an exclusive invitation to spend some time there. At the potluck, the international flags flap a myriad of colours lazily in the breeze that spirals through the coconut trees. Enough to keep cool, not too much to bluster. Haphazard international bodies recline in the makeshift benches. The food supplied by all has exclusive flavours and flair that cruisers are famous for. The atmosphere brings several elements together, which creates an environment free of politics, judgment and opposing opinions. We were all just children on the planet, no country of origin, better or worse, all marvelling at this tiny corner of the world that was ours for the just the briefest blink in history. Kindred spirits that are content, and that is the key ingredient. When we were there, it was the second season for James, also known as Big John, as park ranger. Leaving a large family behind in Rarotonga, he enjoyed the solitude of the island, but equally enjoys hosting all the cruisers. James loves the whole job and is passionate about everything he does. When pushed for a downside of his responsibilities, he said that occasionally and rarely he has to ask a cruiser to leave. Embarrassingly so, most recently, recently an Australian cruiser got a little high on rum and lost his friendliness. James had the responsibility to ensure he left promptly. We want cruisers here, he explained, but the right type of cruisers, those who will respect our island and our rules. James has a neat, neat affinity with Tom Neal, born in Wellington, New Zealand, travelling the Pacific in his youth and living on Sawaro. Has a delightful touch, from the Yacht Club each evening, James would escort each cruiser to their dinghy dock via torchlight and bid us all good night. John Trago is the assistant park ranger on his first season, leaving behind his wife, Rose Lee, and three children. John is also known as Boo Boo. 
He was really enjoying his time here. His background of agriculture, marine and cooking in the army, amongst a myriad of other skills, hold him in good stead for his responsibilities. He misses his family, but that's the only downside. One job John has taken on himself is to ensure everyone returns back to their boats with a smile on their face. He is making a real success of this responsibility. Both caretakers have all the skills required to maintain this slice of heaven, but they have more, a warm welcome and passion for their land. The knowledge they have of flower, fauna, wildlife and history is exceptional and passed on with immense enthusiasm. They are true ambassadors for their country. Apparently next year the criteria may change for the caretaking jobs. I can speak for all the cruisers. We hope it doesn't. These guys work 24-7, helping, guiding and hosting all cruisers at all different times of the day while carrying out their other tasks. Tasks such as report writing. The national government services require them to map out what fish are where. Marine resources. Details on growing vegetables, cruisers' questions and many other responsibilities. As for the family atmosphere which Suaro fosters, James and John truly are a pleasure to meet and create an overall charm that's hard to describe. To change the current set-up in Suaro will mean the end of some very special magic. Lobsters and crabs are abundant if you can catch them. The first attempt, now known as the reconnaissance, netted us only the knowledge of when not to go lobster hunting. Walking along a low reef in the middle of the Pacific Ocean is quite something. Crashing barrels of white foam one side and calm pools of trapped flickering fish on the other. That same night though we did catch three coconut crabs, letting one go as it was too small. James educated us on hunting etiquette. Under their tail, if they have eggs or a sack, they are female and should be returned. Males are okay to catch. Coconut crabs walk forward and run backward. So with a large bucket and a little scare at their heads, they run back into the bucket. It sounds easy, except their mighty bone-crunching claw clings to the edge of the bucket or grabs your stick, crushing it to splinters. Their beautiful blue tin shell turns vivid red once cooked. With two males, we were happy. We have our favourite places that we have sailed to over the years. Atataki, Morea, and other far-flung places of great memories for lots of different reasons. Sawaro is now one of our lead destinations. This is the most unique, beautiful, welcoming place we have ever been. As I write, we are preparing to go ashore to swap books, thank our hosts for last night, and reconnect with new arrivals. The thought that this moment in time will end makes my eyes sting. So what does make this place different? Well, no airport, no cars, no town. So no shopping, no tourists, no loud music on the beach, no phones, no internet. Just nature and beauty and friends. And that's just it. There are no strangers here. I hope you enjoyed our adventure in Saguaro. The memories of our sailing trip and especially this island I hold very dear. 
If you'd like to read this story, go on over to sistershiptraining.com and click on media where you'll find more podcasts, videos and articles. That's all we've got time for today. My name's Jackie Parry and it's been good to have your company. If you want more great tips and advice, head along to Turning Your Cruising Dreams Into Reality Facebook group and I'll catch up with you again soon. I wish you safe sailing.